powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Obviously, I don't sound very good. Uh, so maybe I'm better off muted. But welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. I, I appreciate you tuning in tonight. I'm sorry that I sound like garbage. But I uh, started feeling it last night. Came through to the day. Didn't have a voice. And uh, we're going to still try to put on a great show for you tonight because it's hockey. You got to push through. You got to play injured. We've got a great guest here in Marco D'Amico from Montreal Hockey Now. I'm going to bring him in momentarily. We're going to talk about Sam Montembeau, who was fantastic tonight. Huge, huge bounce back game from him after he struggled against Columbus in the last game between these two teams. We're going to talk about Arbor Jacques scoring in his return to the lineup. We'll talk about David Savard's first of the year and anything else that stood out from this game, which frankly was not much. But uh, first, we got to tell you about sports interaction. Think you know what? How it's, you think you know how it's going to go? Make your bet with sports interaction. I'm sorry, sports interaction, for this ad read. It's not going to be good. Whether it's the World Cup, oh god, heartbreaker today for Canada. Hockey, football, basketball, sports interaction has you covered. Bet pre-game, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. You want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. 18 plus. Please play responsibly. So I'm going to welcome in our guest tonight. I, I apologize for the monologue that went muted at the beginning there. But uh, Marco D'Amico is going to join us here. Welcome, Marco, who's also recovering from an illness because everybody's sick lately. Maybe the Canadians are sick, and that's why the last two games have not been looking so great. <laughs> just, just before I start, am I unmuted? Show are, signs that I'm unmuted. You are unmuted. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll sum it up in one simple way. That was a really good third period of hockey. Um, I think that's the best way I can sum it up. I think that uh, the two teams were kind of playing on their toes most of the game. Uh, goaltenders making most of the difference. Um, honestly, I think Sam Montembeau earned himself a start, I think, next game against Chicago. I, I, I could understand why the team would go back to Allen, but I think, you know, time and time again, Sam Montembeau has shown good if not great performances in the, in the games he's been given. And I think that maybe it's time that he gets some more. And tonight was a good night to, to show that because for the first couple of, I would say the first period alone, he was kind of left to his own yeah. in terms of, of saves. And again, he continues to stand on his head. And, you know, it, it brings me back to games, even games that he lost um, where he just kept the Canadians in it. And that's exactly what he did tonight because we probably wouldn't be talking about a Montreal Canadiens win if it wasn't for Montembeau. Oh, definitely not. Uh, I mean, there were stretches in this game where he had to really stand on his head. You know, stopping two breakaways within like 10 seconds. Like yep. clean breakaways. How does it even happen? But uh, he was on it tonight. He was very determined to have a better game. And, you know, like I've talked about Sam Montembeau as like he's a very chaotic goaltender. But one thing that is very clear this season is that his battle level is just incredible his fight to see pucks to get on to second chance opportunities to stick with tracking the puck like it is way improved over last season and last season i don't think he was a bad battler it was just i think he was a little bit more chaotic and obviously that injury held him back a little bit as well and also the the team was a little bit worse as well yeah and, and he was injured for 
half the season uh, requiring wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken, on his hand. So, I mean, a healthy, motivated, rested Montembeau uh, is definitely going to, to get you some solid performances. And again, like despite his teammates in certain situations, especially the defense, some of those turnovers were brutal. And uh, he was still able to kind of come in and, and do his thing. And you got to appreciate that. But at the same time, I also liked what I saw from, from the defenseman as well, uh, from a transition perspective. Arbor Jack, I, I think, played his game tonight rather than getting lost in the whole like physical tussles that Michael Pizzetta found himself in. He just focused on playing the game, uh, yeah. as Martin Louis likes to say, and it rewarded him with that goal. And I think that the more he continues to do that and he stays away from what fans want to see, but isn't necessarily what's going to keep him in the NHL. Um, I think if he continues to focus on those aspects of his game, he's going to be sticking around. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like those aspects of his game are special still, but he needs to use them in moderation and pick his times. He can't be going out there fighting every game and trying to go out of his way to make big hits that's not how you play in the NHL anymore and you will get exposed. And he did get exposed over the last, like uh, I would say week or so of his uh, starts before he got a little healthy scratch there. So it's good to see Jack guy looking confident and, and playing simple within his uh, capabilities in his young career. And he, he looked good tonight. Not many people did in the first 40 minutes, no. I would say. <laughs> So it's no. good that he did. I will say one guy who did look good tonight, I thought, was Sean Monahan, who got rewarded with the the empty netter. But he just continues to be a consistent, like stabilizing presence on this team. And I know people have already fallen in love with him, and they they kind of want to see him stick around. But I look at the deadline, and the Canadians probably able to uh, retain some salary on a deal for him. They're going to end up with two first round picks for Sean Monahan. One I would have to, to take him and one to get rid of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, the talk has been looking at the centers that may be available at deadline. Jonathan Taze is the name that comes up most. Uh, Bo Horvat. There was talk of Ryan O'Reilly, but since then, St. Louis Blues have kind of taken off. So that leaves Sean Monahan as the third option. Those are the big three at center. And I feel like if Monahan continues to produce offensively along with everything we just mentioned about being stable about playing that 200 foot game and about showing that those, those hip injuries are behind him. If he's able to continue continuously show that, I don't think it's just a first round pick you're looking at. Like, I think it's somewhat along the lines of a Ben Sherrod deal. And I don't know that you can look that in, in the face and say, no, if you're, a, if you're Kent Hughes right now. And I like Sean Monahan. I like Sean Monahan all the way back to when he played for the Ottawa 67s. Like, He's a player I always used to like, but an asset's an asset. And the core of this team is 22, 21, 23, not 27, 28, 29. By the time this team is ready, he's going to be ending his prime. So I can understand, you know, them wanting to capitalize on it. And it is, like you said, beautiful asset management. I mean, if and when they do get you know, that, that a first round pick for a Sean Monahan, everyone's going to be laughing about that deal. Oh, hundred percent. It's going to look like absolute larceny. Right. And, you know, we know that the Calgary flames did that to sign Nazem Khadri. So, I mean, 
It's not like they're going to regret it per se because Kadri's fantastic and he signed their long term. But in terms of asset management, you know, they put themselves in a hole. Well, I guess they didn't put themselves in. They were stuck because of what happened in the offseason with them. But, you know, it, I guess it's easier for Kent Hughes to deal from uh, the position of selling things off than it is to add. But it's great general managing to find the teams that are in that situation and take advantage of them, you know, and, and that's the kind of thing that makes me look at Hughes and say, this guy's the right guy for the job to build this team up. But before we continue talking here, I should say for those who've just tuned in, uh, it's been a bit of a chaotic start to this show. I'm feeling terrible. Marco's not a hundred percent, although he's recovering and uh, started off the show with both of us muted. Cause you know, it's classic classic show but if you're enjoying the show now despite my awful voice please drop us a like because it helps us you know grow the show helps people find the show on youtube and also hit the share button on there blast it out to your twitter or your facebook or what your instagram what have you and if you want you can tag me as well and i'll throw you a retweet and uh we just really appreciate you all being here <laughs> It's fun to chat with you in the stream chat. It's an interactive show. So come on, show your colors. Tell us how you feel. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, you're welcome to, obviously. Uh, obviously, but these teams are in pretty similar situations, rebuilding, trying to figure things out. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I really got to say on that point. I will say we should, when we were talking about uh, Montembeau and you were saying like you should start a little bit more, I feel like that's one of the things that I'm questioning about the the coaching so far this season is they've really like they haven't put Allen on like a 70 start schedule or anything like that but i i think that even over 50 is too much for him like we should in an ideal world i feel like Allen would be sitting between like 45 and 48 starts this year just to keep him healthy and and sharp and his last four starts i don't think he's been sharp and there's no reason to continue to go to that when you have a guy like Montembeau who's really on his game right now. I, I mean, at, at this point, the Canadians from the top to bottom have to figure out their goaltending structure and they have to figure out their, the way that they're going to utilize them because this is what's going on with everybody healthy where you're not sure, you're kind of hesitant to, to put in the backup who's playing much better. Um, I think at a certain point in time, you got you know, if, if you're going to go with your hot gun on in terms of your skaters, then you got to go with your hot gun when it comes to goaltending as well. And you owe it to your team to put the best goaltender in the crease. And you're going to Chicago. It's, you know, it's a matinee game or a early game. I feel like, you know, it's, it's a just reward for being the better of the two goalies in a back-to-back. Honestly, though, it's, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of the year if Montembeau ends up getting north of 25 starts. I think at a certain point in time, all these starts are going to start catching up to Jake Allen. I I just I don't um, I don't view Allen as a bona fide 55 game starter. I think, like you said, 45 to 48 makes a little bit more sense. And if this is the way that they're going to ease Montembeau into playing those 30-ish games, well then. So be it, but I think they better start sooner than later. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think like even Allen probably wouldn't take offense to that, right? Because I think he's only played like his career high is what sixty one, and he's only done that once. 
So I, I, you look at his career, and usually when he's the guy who's relied on to be the number one is when he struggles. And when he's in more of a platoon situation, he excels pretty well. And I think we've seen that now for this is the third year in Montreal, where whenever he has to start too often, things start to slip. His focus is at 100%. And when his focus is on, I think he's a very, very good goaltender. But uh, lately, not. And I don't want to say he's like the only issue that the Canadians have been allowing a lot of goals. I mean, obviously, oh. the reason why is because the defense is not amazing from a team perspective. And as soon as his focus lapses a little bit, it's like crazy chance after crazy chance and backdoor pass connecting all the time. So he has to be great for the Canadians to have a chance. But I, I will say that uh, if it weren't for Allen and Montembeau, like this team would not be looking nearly as solid as it has so far this season. So I think every Canadians fan who enjoys entertaining hockey should be very thankful to both of them. Yeah, absolutely. They would be far under the 500 mark if it wasn't for them. Um, but lately, it's also cost them games. Yeah. And I think that's you're starting to see a balancing act now where being number two in terms of goals saved above average for the first like 15 games of the season. And now, you know, one game he lets in five goals, one game he lets in seven. And then Montembeau comes in and one goal out of 29 shots or 30 shots against. Um, so I, 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 at that point, like, again, saves above, above average. So Montembeau has continued his pace despite the irregular playing. So I feel like you have that luxury. You might as well use it because Jake Allen has broken down in the past and you want to avoid overusing him and at worst, even avoid injury. Because if Montembeau is asked to be the number one full time again, well, then that's where he could break down as well. And then you're kind of left with Caden Primo. And while it's been difficult being the number one in Laval this year, I don't know that being the number one for the Montreal Canadiens or even a backup right now is necessarily the best thing for him. No, he, he's had a rough time down there as well. I know that I was reading that he was left pretty much out to dry in their last game as well. So not a great situation overall for any goalie in the Montreal Canadiens system right now. But overall... Uh, the team is still kind of fun, although this game, not so much. Um, anything else stand out to you, Marco, about this game, or should we talk a little bit about uh, the Leafs and uh, <laughs> New Jersey Devils ending in a hilarious garbage fest? Um, there's one there's still, like, we talked about Monaghan sticking out. Uh, Kirby Doc to me, is just, oh, consistently, yes. just consistently good. Yep. Like, And there's consistently like good and flashes and then there's just consistently good making the right decisions all the time on the ice and i just feel like he's the latter like i have rarely looked at a game and gone man kirby like you should have like why did you do this or could you you could have had these options available constantly making the right decisions on his looks i feel like every time he has the puck there's a certain level of confidence in his ability he doesn't lose his board battles easily Really, the only weakness in his game is face-offs. It's terrible because he would be a really good center if he did if he were good at it. But it's really fun to see how much he's kind of evolved from where he was in Chicago a year ago, and seeing how he's utilizing his strengths, using his frame to protect the puck a lot more, and really trusting his teammates. He's passing a lot more, taking shots from close in. Usually, he would circle back or like avoid the high danger area. He's going to it now. I just find like 
those little things in his game that a lot of people identified as things he needed to fix in the off season, we're seeing progress in and it's showing because I think he has like 17 assists or something like that so far this season. It's something that I don't think many people saw coming this year. And we could say, oh, it's because he's playing on the top line. Sorry, 17 points. But it has more to do with the fact that he himself is no longer a compliment, but a key member of that line. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, people could say it's because he's playing on that top line. And like, sure, maybe some of the production is because nobody else really is scoring. And I'm saying that in a game where only not the top line scored. Although I know that Savard's goal was uh, generated by the top line, but you know, none of the top three forwards registered a goal tonight, but he had like spectacular underlying numbers, even when he was playing as the second line center, right? Like from the drop of the puck on this season, he's been spectacular for the Montreal Canadians and continues to improve. And I've seen some criticism of him about like not playing physical enough or like not using his body enough. And it makes me kind of like shake my head. Cause I wonder if he's going to become one of those litmus test players of like people who actually know the game versus people who talk about it, but don't actually know the game. So there's more than one way to use your body. You look at the way doc protects the puck. Like he's a very physical player. He isn't running guys through the boards because he's not F1, right? Like he's not, that's not the kind of player that he is. He's leaning into his skill and leaning on guys to get the puck in tight areas. And the only times that he ever really like makes a mistake, I think he's usually making the right play, but it's just good defensive plays countering that, that like he saw too late. And that happens to everyone. Yeah, and, and to those that are worried about his, his physical play, I mean, one simple thing can kind of rectify that. Look at every single time a player from the opposition is trying to get the puck away from him. That's where you're going to see his physical play because the moment he has to protect the puck, shoulder out, back extended, puck complete like four to five feet away, and he is gone the other way. It's so hard to extract the puck from him. And if you have the puck and you're along the boards, he may not crush you, but he will overpower you. And I think that that's the key is that he's not a Josh Anderson that's going to come in like a freight train, but he's a little bit more refined in the way that he goes about it. Because once he extracts the puck, he's already to the next step. He's already looking at who to pass it to before you know it's gone. So yeah. again, super intelligent player. just really good to see him put, put it together. And another move that makes Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon look like geniuses, right? Like, obviously, we're not in a situation where the Montreal Canadiens are looking at this season like, oh, we need to fast forward this rebuild. They're ready to compete right away. Like, no, it's very clear they have very obvious holes. The team is playing like their their record is above their play level. There's sure. some things that are going to fall through the basement here at some point during the season. They're going to go on losing streaks for sure. There'll be rough times, but the pieces that Hughes is adding, like it just seems like home run after home run after home run. And from like from an asset collection perspective, as well as just knowing what fits and what to bet on from like a hockey perspective, that to me is the crazy thing of like how well he's done in like evaluating the talent level or uh, the construction of the roster and what he needs to add. That's really impressive to me so far. 
Yeah, and again, you look at, you know, we talk about Doc, uh, but it's not just, it's you know, Doc is a future piece. It's a longstanding piece, but the way that he went and identified positions of need and, and added prospects in that department, like Justin Barron, for example, everyone is kind of down on Justin Barron because he's not playing in the NHL right now, but it's probably the best because he's having his best offensive stretch in the pros right now he started slow in Laval and he's going pretty strong continues to score important goals for them and is looking quite good for them lately and he's progressing and I think once he also joins the ranks he's going to be another one of those players where people are going to be like oh I really like him that was a good acquisition although it did cost Lekkonen which kind of sucks but yeah you still got you still get a good other player that you can add to this and they still have picks in the next draft and we haven't talked about guys like Owen Beck or, or Lane Hudson yet. So I like where this is going, but I'm still of the mind that they need one more top piece. Oh, 100%. Yeah. they If they were able to grab one of the top three guys in this upcoming draft, yeah, it puts the rebuild on a different track, right? It goes uh, from like hoping to build a contender to like, oh, okay, they could actually do this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the top three is going to be... Like, unless there's lottery luck involved, and we'll see. But I don't know that top three is going to be attainable at this rate unless they really start to bomb it at a certain point. But anybody in the top 10 is already going to be, like, a major upgrade on what's already on the roster and in the prospect pool. So you just got to – if they can get their hands on one, if not two of those types of talents, you know, I think you have enough of a base to work with where you could start trading for what you're missing. For sure. And, you know, maybe it'll be uh, this year's New Jersey because what did they move up last year? Like 10 spots or something like that? To number uh, two? New Jersey went from seven to five, uh, from seven to two. Yeah. So pretty decent. You can't, go, you can't go up more than uh, 10 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll get some sort of lottery luck at, at that or be able to move up like one or two spots by trading some of their other assets that they've accrued. I, I honestly, like, if they had to pick right now, if, if I had to know Kent Hughes and see who he'd pick, I think he'd actually go for an Adam Fantilli guy if he had the number two pick as opposed to a Majvay Michkov. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I, I mean, there's just so you much have, unknown, right? Yeah, but you have a similar player in Cole Caulfield already. So, like, it's just, I don't know, you want a different mix of players? I mean, that's one of the reasons why you pick Slavkovsky, right, is that, He's a very unique type of type of player. You're not going to find many players like him in subsequent drafts. So he went for someone like him. But the same applies to an Adam Fantilli. You won't. This is a guy that would go first overall most places if it wasn't for Connor Bedard being absolutely exceptional. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, Bedard is next level, and Fantilli is not as far behind as I think most people think. Like his his uh, his. Numbers are fantastic. He looks, you know, projectable to be an NHLer right away. Yeah. Would definitely be easily, easily the first overall pick last year. It wouldn't even be a competition. Yeah. Uh, people are saying Mitchkov is risky with the Russian factor. I don't think it's necessarily the Russian factor to me. Like, there's his contract that is, I believe, four more years after his draft year yep. is questionable. Whether or not that's even something the NHL would honor right now, because I think that agreement was suspended because of the invasion of Ukraine. And all, I think the main thing is the league that he's playing in is like kind of questionable and Russian development is always weird. So there's always guys that stick out, but 
you never know. Like it's it's odd. I know that uh, Mitch Brown was very heavy on Mitch Goff being a like the best goal scorer in the draft, but I think he's uh, pushed more towards Bedard lately, and uh, the other areas of Mitch Goff's game are less pronounced. So I don't know how you also feel. The lack of playing, like he hasn't played yeah. a whole lot lately, which is concerning. Um, and you know, you're looking at other guys that are playing and are catching up in stature. You know, you, I, I think a plethora of scouts right now would put Fantilli ahead of Mitchkov. I think that's a fair debate. Um, but you're starting to see people like put Leo Carlson ahead of Matvey Mitchkov because he's I've seen that as well. Such a strong season in the SHL. And then, you know, five, six, seven, eight. You're, you know, you're looking at guys like Edward Sale, Brandon Yeager, Zach Benson, um, you know, uh, Callum Ritchie. There's there's so much just in that glut of forwards that you can look at and, and defensemen that even if it's not the top three, you're still getting an excellent player, excellent, excellent player that you can add to your core. And I think that that's the thing is that I don't think this team needs a savior. I think this team needs like one really nice piece and another building block and you have your nucleus, the rest will then fall on Kent Hughes to just make the right moves. And I yeah. feel like we saw him make some pretty big splashes this summer. Let's give him another summer with, uh, what is it, $25 million in cap space this summer? So we'll see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be an interesting time, and we'll see what they accrue in terms of assets around this year's deadline because they have players that could fetch some decent return. And... I know that uh, it's incredibly unlikely because they're still a very good team. I know that they beat the Boston Bruins tonight, one of the very, very few teams to be able to do it this year. But the Florida Panthers are not far ahead of the Canadians in the standings. And there is, like, teams as good as the Florida Panthers, when injuries hit, when bad luck hits, have missed the playoffs. They're 10-8-2 right now the canadians are 10 9 and 1 so if the florida panthers miss the playoffs the canadians go from having one good first round pick to two really good first round picks in a very deep draft that could also change things even if they make it in as a wild card like you're still picking 17 16 17 like that's a good place to pick because you're talking about guys like maybe ethan gautier will smith um you know uh uh can't pronounce his name to save my life, but Dragovic, I think, the defenseman of the WHL, but good Lord, the hands on him. And, you know, there's, there's options for them, right, where they can they could easily move around as well. I think, you know, what they're looking for is that kind of flexibility. And I th- they've already mentioned that they would like to trade up in this draft as well. So you know that they're going to be aggressive to get to the top. You know they want one of those top pieces. So that'll be interesting. And you you mentioned, you know, players that they would, might want to move a deadline. You know, last year they moved a player in Lekkonen that, you know, yes, was a restricted free agent to be, but was still control a controllable asset for another year. There may be more than just their unrestricted free agents, like a Monaghan that they move. There may be, you know, a guy like Joel Edmondson who may become expendable by then because Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackai, Jordan Harris – seem to have the left side of the defense kind of hand hands pat they're they're pretty good and you have michael matheson already so there's too many of them and there's a lot of interest in him for reasons 
And so I guess experience. Um, well, you know, big physical guy. Look what they got for Ben Sherratt, right? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And you have an extra year. And, uh, you know, for, for me, I think that's a, that's a guy that you can look at. I know that, you know, teams are also extremely, extremely hot on, on Josh Anderson. Not that I think the Canadians would trade him, but if there's a wow package that's delivered to the Canadians, you know, that might be a sell high moment as well. Um, but I, I still don't think the Canadians pull the trigger on that just, just yet. But there, there are players that, that teams are calling on that we'd be surprised, but I think Monaghan is the piece and then there may be surprising moves, you know, come the actual deadline. Yeah. Uh, some weirdo named Mark Dumont is in the stream chat saying, Shit. I don't want to speak for every Habs fan, but maybe you could talk about Lane Hudson for 30 minutes. You know, we he says, no, this is dark Moomaw, no bias. Uh, actually, we did that last night with Mitch Brown, who has heavily scouted Hudson so far this year. We went over uh, the things that could hold him back. Uh, that he has to work on and whether or not those are like big concerns or just tiny little nitpicking concerns. So go check out last episode of game over with Mitch Brown. If you want to hear about Lane Hudson, there's lots of talk about Lane Hudson. I know he scored again tonight, another OT winner two times tonight. Yeah. God, the kid is ridiculous. If it, he's the kind of player we mentioned this on the show last night, that if he makes the NHL, he's like, it's going to be as a star. He's not going to make the NHL and be a 20-point defenseman. He's like If he gets over the hump of being a surefire guy, he's going to be absolutely incredible. I think everybody in the fan base is very excited about Lane Hudson, anybody who knows about him, anybody who's following the team closely. All right, I, I do want to say before we close out, the Devils finally lo- uh, ended their streak. Uh, was ended by Toronto. Both the Leafs and Toronto, the situation I don't know if you saw it, Marco, but uh, one of my bosses, Adam Wilde, became a Devils fan. Yeah, I know. That I unfortunately saw. Yes. I also filed a complaint to HR. I told him that he owes everybody in the company bonuses for having to see that. It's been all over my feed for days. So thankfully, the Adam Wilde is a Jersey Devils fan era can end. But... uh, Three disallowed goals in that game. But I have to say, every single goal was completely obvious that it needed to be disallowed. And it sucks to see that happen. But uh, the Devils... Eventually, every streak ends, right? As great as they are. And they are great this year. You know, actually, I'll ask you this, Marco. What do you think changed with the Devils from last year to this year? to see such a drastic improvement outside of like Hughes and Heashier being healthy at the same time. I think Jesper Bratz hit another gear as well. I feel like their forward lines are a little bit more balanced. <clears throat> are much more balanced. I mean, the addition of John Marino is not being talked about enough. John Marino right. really hit another level defensively for that team. And I think that brings stability all throughout their lineup because they were, you know, they don't have to, no offense to the player anymore, but they don't have to deal with PK Subban. Uh, you know, John Marino comes in, stabilizes that right side. I feel like they're more equipped now to, to kind of handle the rigors and they're getting consistent ish goaltending, which is the other thing that they weren't getting at all. They were just going through goaltenders like we would go through bubblegum. And 
now there's kind of some consistency and it shows on the ice. I think that when you have that balance and your young players take the next step, that's what you're going to tend to see. And that's, that's why I like the game against Montreal. It's exactly how I stated it is you're looking at what the final product of what Montreal's rebuild is, is going to look like. This is what they want. Yep. And to get that, like I said before, you still need a couple of pieces, but I think that the devils are, are they're one really good goaltender away from being just a perennial contender in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If they had a goaltender who could even stop like at league average, because oh, yeah. I think both their goaltenders have been slightly below league average so far this year in terms of like saves above expected, they would be so like, they're already so scary looking the, the way that they play is so fun too. They're a different devil's team than any that I've ever seen in my life. And you know, like even the, the devil's team that scored a lot in like, I think it was like 99, 2000 when they won that they led the league in scoring, they were still a boring team to watch. This team is not boring. They're incredibly fun. And what I I said basically the same thing as you when the Canadians played the Devils. My takeaway on the show was this was a lesson taught to a team that can see the future there, right? Like they can look at the Devils and say, this is what we want to be. A team with a lot of really good players that plays a high tempo, (coughs) sorry, entertaining style. It's a great thing to, to look forward to. Yeah, and I mean, they're still missing guys like Alexander Holtz and Simon Nemich that'll join in the next couple of years. But you see, like, they're set at center, they're set at wing, they have everything they need. Unfortunately, they simply don't have it in with, the, you know, the situation room in Toronto. I think that's the problem. <laughs> they need Lou Lamorello back to pay off uh, the right people or intimidate the right people. I think intimidate is the right word. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a joke, by the way. Anybody who thinks I'm trying to say that Lamorello pays off anybody at the NHL, he obviously doesn't. He just puts concrete boots on them. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to the show. Thanks, Marco, for coming on with me. And uh, yes, uh, Noel says I should rest. I should rest. I'm going to try to be all right. Mark is going to host the next show, which is a Friday afternoon game, which should be fun. And I'm actually going to be guest hosting Game Over Calgary on that same day. <laughs> So it's going to be a bit of a shifty situation, but uh, thanks to Marco for coming on. Before we close things out, Marco, where can everybody find your work? Uh, at Montreal Hockey Now and on Twitter at MN D'Amico. Perfect. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Uh, Noel says he's dying. He needs to call HR. Yes, this is the long-term effect of being exposed to Adam Wilde's pajamas. Slow, painful death. All right. See you later, everybody. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook.